2: Oh, Tony, baby, you're a mess. Uh? Thank Grimes, it's Tuesday. It's time for Trend Lightly. Are you ready? The trending news podcast for anyone who is literally not an absolute virgin.
3: (laughs)
0: Extremely
2: online? Extremely clueless? Horny for Bitcoin? Oh, baby. You're in the right place. Now it's time to meet your host, the Irish-American tornado and the real princess of Wales.
4: We are back.
2: Molly McAleer and Tiffany
4: Maddox.
0: Welcome
1: back to Trend Lightly, everyone. It is 2023. It is the first show of the new year. New year, new me, new year, same me. Tiffany Scott Maddox and with me, of course, always,
3: my host, Molly McAleer. My host, my I know Jesus. I'm your host body. I know you're, you're a little parasite in my body, and I'm feeding you. I dude. am. I am. I'm a. Tip. No, I would never say that. You're one of the highlights. Of, you're the you're the rose every day in a world of thorns.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're my rose. How was your um end of 2022?
3: I think it was good. I think it was good. I. Really like leaned into having a holiday. I recorded a bunch of stuff leading up to Christmas, but then I had like four whole days where I had like you know just like little admin and shit that I had to do. But I was even bad on like text with Nicole, and Nicole and I text all day long. So I was like, you know, I felt I like the end of the day. Sometimes I'd like text Nicole my business partner for those of you who don't uh, know. And if you're here from the Gaylor episode, hey, Mama. (laughs) But um, no. Nicole and I talk all day, and it was at the point where, like, I we would go the whole day without talking much, or like I would miss certain updates, and then like I'd be like, "You have to be a good friend and like send a text so that they know you're thinking of them." And so I'd just be like, "So how's Animal Crossing going?" Because I you've gotten her completely addicted to the game, which I know I have to figure out if I if I like it or not. Maybe I I don't know if you will.
1: I don't know if you will.
3: But, babe, other than that, I mostly – I watched, like, like a, a lot of wrestling. I wore pajamas every day um, oh, in the geez. most shameless way. Like, mm-hmm. everywhere I went, I was in Scott Disick's Talentless Sweats. I went. <laughs> They're really good, by the way, if I haven't told I you have, that. I would like um, some, I think. I ate crazier than I ever do. I've never, I was like kind of blown away. I said to my friend, I was like, you're going to see me eat more than you have ever, you've seen me eat in our entire friendship combined. Like you're going <laughs> to see something that you've never, you didn't even know I had in me. Um, but yeah, it was good, I think. How was yours? Oh, it was great. I mean, similarly, I was like, I was wearing pajamas
1: the whole time. I was with my mom for the most part. And, and then I came back and chilled. And had a few days to myself, which I was hoping I would spend like doing productive things. And then I realized that actually what I wanted to do was rest. And I had the best New Year's because I fucking hate New Year's, dude. It's like my least favorite. And I hate the idea of like missing significance, but not feeling the significance of a thing. Like I was just like, I don't love the idea that I'm not doing something, but at the same time, I don't want to do anything so instead I just had a I had a very witchy time I had a very witchy New Year's I like I had like a ceremonial bath which is just like a nice bath that's Um, right
3: you texted me and I you were so sweet because you were clearly buzzed and (laughs) I was It was like midday for me and like I just have a hard time getting it up when someone's nice to me to begin with so I was (laughs) like I think I just wrote back happy new year love you too but you wrote me a very thoughtful (laughs) note from your witchy new year's eve so yeah tell me more about what you did so I um I
1: wanted to cleanse off the previous year and I wanted to like be ready willing and open to receive the next year I I love Christmas and I love the ceremony of it and I love the like Wintery cold of it, and it makes me bummed out in January when it's all gone and like, you know, the all of the, the nice shiny things have been packed away for next year, and I have to do a tax return, and it just like it feels like kind of a bummer. And I was like, no, I'm not going to have a bummer. I'm going to cleanse. So I like saged <laughs> and like opened the windows, and I was like pushed I like pushed the pre- like the previous year out. Had a bath, but like had it with intention. I was like, I'm going to wash off the previous year. And then I like sat and I journaled about what I wanted to do in the next year and I just like let it, I don't know, I just started writing and didn't really think about it and I wasn't like I want to make like x amount of money or like I'm going to visit these three places. It was more like I don't know like holistic, stuff I wanted to let go of, stuff I wanted to like welcome in, like things I wanted to do for like people around me and then I drank a bottle of my favourite champagne. I like toasted out the last year and then I went to bed and it was like, it was ideal. And I wore like my favorite
3: pajamas, like the, like the bougiest. It was so good. I kind of loved it. That does sound really delicious and healthy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like mentally healthy. And then it all got ruined because some, I got a text the next day saying that there were some people coming and we're going to spend a week taking out all of my windows to put windows back in again. And now I'm just like, all of the goodwill has, has vanished because so I'm living in my bedroom and doing everything in my bedroom and all my stuff is around me in my bedroom. And every day these men come and then they like close me out of my living room where they've made a workshop and I just have to leave because, <laughs> because I can't like, I forgot I'm in
3: that you so much has happened this morning that I literally forgot that you sent me a, a picture of your home in shambles. Like, you know, not shambles in that, like, you know, you did something wrong, but like something is happening.
0: Something's happened
1: to me and I don't like it. I'm a, I mean, I think you're an indoor cat like me and I love my home. I love my sanctuary. I love like, I have my little places and my little routines, my little things. And when someone comes for a week and is like, you have to leave, you have to go
3: somewhere else, I'm like, oh, where do I go? What do I do? I don't know. And like, is there a a rule there? It's your landlord, right? Like, is there a rule that you guys have in your country about, about like, when your landlord has to basically displace you, they have to put you in accommodations?
1: Yeah, I think so. I don't think he realizes how disruptive it is. So luckily, the kitchen light is broken. So I'm going to invite him over this week to see the chaos. And hopefully that'll prompt something. I didn't realize how disruptive it was going to be, honestly, so I didn't really plan for it, but I've been doing like a world tour of everyone. So I was like, all my friends and clients and people who live close by have just been rocking up to their house in the morning and staying there all day to work. Had some good donuts on Friday. That was nice. What kind of donut? It's a very particular donut by this company called Pippin Donuts that used to come to Bristol once a week and they are the best donuts i've ever had in my whole entire fucking life they're the pi- most pillowy soft i think they might be sourdough donuts and they've got this like the filling like the vanilla custard inside them has like little tiny flecks of vanilla and they are outrageously good and i haven't had one for several years because i they stopped coming and then they would go to a different place i would never be in the right place at the right time because they would just have like a little stall they didn't have like a permanent location but this cafe near me gets them every Friday. I did not know this, and so I could go every Friday and have a Pippin donut.
3: Oh, honey, I'm so happy for you.
1: I love donuts. Me too. I love Can you donuts. Have sourdough. or no,
3: I can't eat it. I we don't have sourdough donuts though. No, I don't think I've ever seen that. I'm sure someone does. Hmm. I do have an, a cat update. Okay, because as you know, I blackout. I forget what I say on this podcast, and then I was talking about it on. Well, I mean, I guess maybe I should always do that, right? Talk about things on TikTok, because if I haven't said it out loud on a podcast, why? <laughs> that's that's going to lose uh, Gen Z's attention pretty much immediately. But a few people had said, oh, I heard you talking about this on the podcast. And I was like, oh, shit, that's right. So I guess I should do a follow up on the podcast. So um, I did bring Ella back last Tuesday. The plan when I brought Ella back was the woman really wanted me to sign adoption papers for cleo even if i had to return cleo she just really wanted me to sign adoption papers because the rescue was according to her quote on her ass so i was like okay well i still want to leave it open i want to be fair to the girls so if like there's a major revolt from either one of them we can i can bring her back like you know i just don't want that and she's like no you just gotta you gotta sign them so after i drop off ella I get to her place. It's like, it's like 9:30 p.m. It's raining. And she texts me when I'm like 60% of the way there and is like, hey, I'm actually giving uh like helping birth a litter of kittens in Encino right now. Do you think you could come yeah. later? And I'm sitting there going, literally, no. Like, I have I asked you if I could return this cat in November, like before Thanksgiving. Like, and now. Or we're finally here on January 3rd and like, no, like you should be here. Like the kittens will birth themselves. They've done it in nature forever. <laughs> so I, yeah. I wind up handing off Ella to her son and I don't sign the adoption paperwork. Well, I don't hear, if we're, if we're like thriving over here. Like the three gals, like you can practically just hear the pollock hole in the air like it smells like uh like a you know early edition Yankee candle like you know there's always a baked good like it feels just like oh you know a trio of women coexisting well i don't hear from her but then on thursday i finally texted her and i said hey like just wanted to check in on ella like cleo's doing amazing but you know like it's uh just wanted to check on her cuz i haven't heard anything and she goes ella hasn't been eating She's very, she seems very lethargic. I, I need to take back Cleo. And they're like, girl, it took Ella a fucking month to leave my linen closet. Like, Yeah. yeah, she went from having free reign of a home to living in a crate, like, like a prisoner, like 23 hours a day. Like, no shit she's fucking depressed. And also, like, give it a minute like Mm -hmm. i don't know i was really so i did write kind of like a crazy email to the rescue basically being like can she even do this and it was buck wild but it also was like very to the very to the point and like basically like i never agreed to be a foster that's my other point i never agreed to be like a drop-in shelter i am a lifer once i get my cats you know what i mean or any pet, so I was kind of like, did she just like use me as like a rehoming station for a few months? But yeah. then I get a text from her today saying, like, I spoke with the executives at Kitten and Rescue and I have to come pick up Cleo. And I was like, mm, I don't believe you. I said, I'm not. I said, I'm not gonna do. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that until Kitten Rescue speaks to me, because like, why would I believe? You like they could have easily told her there's no way you can have this cat ever again, and she would still tell me that she has to come take the cat. So, yeah, it does appear, and I am devastated. I'm trying to keep my spirits up. Uh, so if I sound um, a little too happy about this, it's because I'm actually boiling inside. Oh, so yeah, anyway, so yeah, I am on the lookout for a fat male. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Who Which is handsome? crazy. I know. I'm on the lookout for a fat male. So if anyone has a, a big fat male cat that is like, you know, young enough to still insure, but old enough that like he's not going to have a chance many other places. HMU. I will say that I have to. I demand beauty in my pets, and I, I, I will not adopt an ugly cat. And there are <laughs> ugly cats. So.
1: Hello. Unfortunately, I did not use the correct mic, but now I did, so things should sound a little bit nicer here on out.
3: Girl, no one cares. They're just happy to hear from you.
1: <laughs> and I'm stuck and I'm like the whole time too, like because I'm stuck in my bedroom, I'm sitting deadly still because my bed is so fucking crunchy. So I'm in my bedroom. I couldn't put the mic on, so I'm holding it. I'm like grasping it in my little fist. And it wasn't even, it wasn't even the right one. But anyway, we move.
3: Yeah, uh, I think that, I think that you're, I think it's okay if you're crunchy too. I like a little wild noise. So feel free to be (laughs) crunchy. Feel free to be crunchy. Don't be too hard on yourself. And God bless America. (laughs) Oh, wait, by the way. Happy January 6th. Happy January 6th to all who celebrate. Yes, that's exactly right. Okay, wait, so tiff i'm I'm gonna make a lot i'm gonna call an audible real quick i think that our first story today should be one that technically happened while we were on quote-unquote christmas break or whatever yeah it was also the bonus link in last week's episode but it's so like worthy of just we need to dish for two i don't know if dishing calls it like it sounds really fucking appropriate but uh Talk the way we do.
1: Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, actually, quite a lot of stuff happened while we were away, and that always yeah. that's annoying to me because sometimes there are weeks where we're like, you know, we're really scouring the internet for stories, and and then it's like we take a breath, and everyone
3: decides to fucking do everything. That's what happened when you went to Mexico. I remember being like, oh, "Fucking much!" Like, I mean, like in my <laughs> in my mind, being like. <laughs> No, accurate, though. Yeah. No, but uh, it's it's that thing of, like, you know, like, just, yeah. But in a way, I will say that, do you remember, like, how, like, the end of 2020 was, like, catastrophic? Yeah. I will say that the end of 2022, or as far as, as, far as years go, was a pretty good ending to the, like, in terms of, like, justice being sought. Like, in yeah. terms of, yeah. You know we've had a long year of covering stories where women are shot upon most recently okay. we talked about megan the stallion who tori lane's was found guilty on i believe all counts of shooting her in the foot and lying and stuff and That's how they, <laughs> they wrote in the legal they did i remember that what were a couple of your other faves that happened while we were gone <sighs> oh well
1: I was, we're going to talk about the Logan Paul crypto zoo thing. And I found basically it is a bit like when you're in a yellow car and then all you see is yellow cars. Like once the predictions list comes out, all I see is like the manifestation of the predictions.
3: Absolutely. Um,
1: The, the revelation that Henry Cavill was essentially fired for like toxic gamer bro behavior, potentially allegedly was very validating for me. Logan Paul is probably going to be investigated by like some sort of financial regulator next year. That was quite fascinating for me. Towards the end of the year, I don't know what month it was because everything's a blur. But I was so delighted, and we didn't really talk about it too, too much about the arrest being made in the Delphi murders. Like, like thank God at last, like some potentially there's time for justice for those families. Yeah, I mean, God, it's it's last year. It feels like a, a lifetime ago, but. I remember like watching stuff happening over Christmas and being like fuck if we were doing a podcast we'd be we'd be putting the document together pretty easily this week.
3: Yeah, it was Yeah, it was and I missed it a little bit. I wanted to do more. I wanted to practice for Big Molly Media. Yeah. And do some like, you know, more daily updates if I could. I we did talk about the Moscow murder suspect being arrested um on the patreon this week but yeah i mean i was missing it babe i will tell you happy to be back
1: yeah i was missing it too i can't carry all this stuff in my head i've got to share it with you
3: where else do i get tiffany where else do we get 90 minutes around 90 minutes a week to blast pedophiles (laughs) i love that it's what we do so the first story that we definitely want to talk about is the crystalia problem Oh my God. It was a YouTube documentary that was put out by a guy named Kyle Anderson, I think. And I I just want to disclose actually, because you know, Kyle is like, is like one of those, like he's like a really nice white guy. Do you know what I mean? That like is caring about a social issue. And I've seen a couple people pushing back being like, what are his real motives with this? Like maybe he's just trying to, I reached out to him to do a bonus episode of Trend Lightly. And he wrote me back very promptly. And said that like at this point he wasn't gonna be doing podcasts or anything to promote it because he just wanted to keep a spotlight on the issue. And I do feel like I mean, not only was this information incredibly illuminating, but he did a really good job of editing it in a way that would, really I think, did keeping a YouTube audience engaged, mm-hmm. and got a lot of of interesting evidence on this Cristalia character. So I trust Kyle, and I'm thankful to him for putting this out there. Did you watch this? The documentary i did i did and
1: i i had a really like similar reaction which was that it was that it was almost the perfect youtube documentary it was like the right length super informative like nuggets of of stuff that i couldn't and hadn't seen anywhere else like very well constructed told a really complete story of the of the whole kind of chris issue the chris shoe if you may mm-hmm. i watched it when i was at i was at my mum's actually i was watching that and then the logan paul crypto zoo and i was like god we are truly blessed this this december for expose pieces on youtube it was horrifying it really was it was disgusting it was kind of hard to watch i think i watched it in two
3: parts i was watching it before bed ugh that was it was kind of rough so like oh no it's very it's a hard pill to swallow yeah I've never particularly—I'll be honest—I've never particularly cared for Crystal Lee. I don't know if I've said that out loud on the podcast before, but like, I'm just not—you know—not a fan. There's something about his comedy even that just feels very much like guys making fun of girls for being dumb bitches, and I think that that's like that's the, been one of the takeaways I've experienced watching his comedy. But yeah, so as you guys probably remember, he was like mass outed in 2020 as being a serial, inappropriate texter, obvious like, you know, sort of, just like bad sex addict behavior. Like, I don't wanna judge sex addicts, I really don't. Even though I almost struggle to say that because like, I think I I do struggle to keep myself in check about that. But I, you know, I, you know, he was very much like reaching out to a shit ton of girls on IG. Basically, I had like back to back. He was doing like three a days. He would meet girls. He would basically like track girls who had tagged that they were coming to his show or something. And if he liked their IG, he'd be in touch. And they one thing that I thought was so interesting and they really highlighted this in the documentary is that he didn't just like text and message all these girls. He was doing it. In like, a, if you had a boyfriend who texted you this much, it would be like, Jesus, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going anywhere. Calm down. So he was outed for that. But then get, get this, right? So he has a baby, just had a baby in the midst of all this. Marries the child's mother and has sort of attempted to, we've, we covered his sort of like return to the world back at, like, you know, maybe a year ago or whatever when that happened. And has now sort of started, like, posting, like, almost, like, family style, but feel like vlogs, like, straight-to-camera vlogs of him and his wife, like, asking each other questions or, like, you know, bo- it's like boyfriend challenge shit. And he's, like, rebranded himself as this, like, you know, nice family boyfriend. Dad. Yeah. yeah. Family man. So, he's a, he's a, he's a wife guy now. So turns out that Kyle was able to get in touch with some people who say that up until April of this year, he at least up until at least April this year, he was still had relationships going with other women via IG. So this is like after he's healed. He is regularly engaging with women on OnlyFans specifically, though, like meeting up with them and having sex and also like. He had a couple girls who were kind of building like a harem for him where it was oh, going yeah. to just basically be like Andrew Tate but in the deep valley. Mm. And so also lots of girls getting like tattoos with his name, also lots of people like one of the conditions he would have for his little side chicks was that he needed them to do whatever he said. And he would only deal with girls that were willing to do whatever he said and to me that's very interesting
1: Mm. and often younger younger women of course
3: oh yeah like yeah there was that lawsuit with the 17 year old that that got obviously settled out of court i was kind of stalking the fighter and the kid Reddit because they always have it's not just one of the funniest reddits i've never even listened to the fighter and the kid but their reddit is so fucking funny and they're really honest about someone like Dalia on there and One thing they just kept mentioning was, like, he's paying all these chicks off. Like, one of the chicks in the documentary fully said to him, like, you need to compensate me for the damage that you've done. There was even a a moment where this girl, I believe her name's Alice, Alice Wright, she, I think she's a comedian, but she had posted that his wife will, like, get on OnlyFans and be like, get away from my family, like, you're ruining my (laughs) family. Like, sending, so his wife is, like, fully in it, and... Yes, yeah. So I followed up by watching his podcast, his most recent podcast with her, and she mentions that she first saw him because she was 22 and on Vine. Yeah. Something about the younger women are
1: more vulnerable, obviously more vulnerable, more compliant, and, like, less experienced, and so it's just, like, a a really... Just a perfect storm for somebody like Chris to be able to take advantage.
3: Do you think that there was was there a particular moment in the documentary that like, you know, shivered your timbers? Yeah, it was the
1: young woman who talked about meeting him, I think at a show, and they'd gone up to his hotel room and they were kind of fooling around and then he was like get on the floor. The snap and then Yeah. Point to the floor like a dog. Yeah. And then she was just kind of like thought he was joking. But essentially, it talked about how it, like, his whole being and demeanor, like, completely changed, and it was like there was a kind of, like, a fog that descended almost, and and she, and how terrified she was, that made me feel sick to my stomach because I just, like, oh, yeah.
3: Now was, is yeah. this the same girl who? I don't think it is even who went to his hotel room and he was watching Cops and eating shrimp scampi. <laughs> i don't get. i i i don't know i know i don't think it was i don't think it was and that's the sad thing with guys like this besides like you know all the obvious stuff is that they're so boring like you know there's i love cops yeah. you know not the actual police but no, i the love TV the show cops. yeah yeah and then you know i like shrimps i shrimp scampi i don't like i feel it's kind of a waste of shrimp but like it's relatable to me but like you look at that and it's so there's something so pathetic about it Mm -hmm. that it's like alarming that someone gave this man's penis access to vaginas.
1: (laughs) Yeah. When I was much younger, when I was probably about 18, I think, I met a comedian who was doing, who was on the up and up. He was doing a lot of the kind of like TV shows here in like the UK like the comedy circuit and like we were my space friends and then he invited me to come to this show that he was these shows that he was doing in in Edinburgh I think it was so like I went up there for a few days like and you know he flew me up and he was like the saddest little man the saddest most pathetic little man really truly and i was like god sometimes i think back at myself at like age like 18 or 19 and wonder like how i didn't end up murdered like the situations i
3: would when you're young you just have no idea how mortal your body is Mm -hmm. like yeah you know stranger danger and you know like okay like it's not a good idea to get behind the wheel of a car drunk but like there's things i've done in my life even just like Like remembering being a like a kid and like leaping over the jetties and my and like at the beach we went to growing up, I look back on that and I'm like, you fucking moron! Like you could have smacked your head against a fucking rock, and thank God that didn't happen. And same with like you and your situation. But when you're younger, you just don't have a true sense of how easy it would be for things to go terribly wrong.
1: Oh yeah, no sense of your immortality. And I want to be absolutely crystal clear that is not like. At any statement whatsoever about like blaming a victim, it's more about like oh god how no. vulnerable you can be, and and not even realize how vulnerable you are, and and like and some people fully take advantage of that, and it is entirely their fault. It is entirely the fault of a perpetrator or somebody who is holding the balance of power in their hands. You know, it's um. I, I, I should I I man. do
3: want to specify also that I did not I I I hope my statement didn't come across as victim blaming in any way. I just mean that there are situations I would put myself into up until the time I was like in my mid thirties that I personally, after all the things that I've been through, would never do now. But that didn't yeah. mean that I didn't put myself in bad situations over and over and over again, seemingly. Taking away the wrong lesson every time. Yeah, yeah, same. But yeah, so sorry guys, if that if that came off like that. But and yeah, no, I mean no, no. A light general rule that I break often, my I've broken often myself is like, I remember I had to take a break from dating guys who did comedy because I thought they were all like, I mean they are, you know, many of them are troubled. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. especially those who do protest too much like people were like no i don't have to be mentally ill to be a comedian i just tell jokes and i'm and then like <laughs> it's like no but like you aren't mentally ill like you don't i mean you might not have to be but like that doesn't mean you're not m- mentally ill dog <laughs> but yeah i tried to take a break from dating comedians or like you know having crushes on comedians even Because it was just too hectic, and so I decided to briefly transition to get this. Thinking this, the grass would be greener. Musicians. Oh no! (laughs) And by the way, like hello, that's like one of the exact things I mean of like when you're young. Like now, if someone pitched me, like you know, Molly, you know, you should start dating professional athletes. Like (laughs) I, if I, if someone said that to me now, I'd be like. Oh, no, 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 honey. Absolutely not. But when I was, uh, I believe I was probably like 28 years old and making the transition from guys who did comedy to musicians. And and let me just tell you, they definitely are a different beast, but mm-hmm. it made me it made me miss some of the nights I spent chuckling with <laughs> a, a guy I had sex with. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, at least there's the chuckles there.
3: But yeah, so I really recommend, this is obviously a little old, if you guys listen, or two weeks old, that's, I guess, ancient now in this day and age. But if you guys want to check that out, it's linked in our description, our show notes, as always. Oh, it's brilliant. Okay. So, yeah, shout out, Kyle. So.
1: Wander with us into a world of magic. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with and reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. We'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy
4: tales.
3: I mean, you were, you were following this case, right? Yeah, I was, I was. And it, it was so, it was so
1: horrific, the, the Moscow murder case. It was so, like visceral and I think I often wonder why like some crimes capture the imagination more than others and we know like the multiple reasons for that like the victimology being a huge part of that and like how I think visceral and visual the crimes are yeah but this was this was incredibly terrifying it was really brutal and and i was i was kind of aghast at it and and of course there was a huge amount of sleuthing that was happening on tiktok and there was also like the psychic sleuthing on tiktok which was not so helpful i love that like the the new like kind of our generation this next generation's version of like psychic sally or whatever is is tiktok people on live guessing who the who the who the killer was, but yeah, this was, this was wild. Were you, were you following this over Christmas too?
3: Well, wait, can I really quickly ask you, do you, you, you know, that one of the people who was making speculation about who the murderer was, she is a, I believe she identifies as a psychic tarot reader or something. And she had come to the conclusion that it was a random professor that none of the people none of the victims had taken her class or seemed to have any interaction with her on campus. And she basically just like kept saying that this woman's a murderer, and obviously she was getting harassed, and obviously also she's a part of this community. That's terrifying. Like to, yeah. am- that's like my biggest fear, honestly, is being accused of something like that I didn't do, like a murder, like anything. Like I, that's my biggest fear. So because people are rabid animals, this you know this TikTok got a lot of attention. I I I kind of likened it to. The way that people went after Rose, Gabby Petito's friend, the way that they're doing now with the roommate Mm. who saw Brian Koberger, the guy who was arrested in in our house that night. I was reading it over Christmas to a point of borderline obsession. Well, it happened like on December 30th when they arrested this guy. And it was one of those things where we went to a New Year's Eve party for one hour. And I said to my friend, I was like, if at any point, I just want to let you know. And this isn't a threat, it's just what's gonna happen. If at any point you're not engaging me in conversation tonight, I will be on my phone in the corner reading Reddit. Yeah. And I just don't wanna get in trouble for reading Reddit at your company party. But (laughs) I do, I'm like, so I just like, you know, you might lose me if I'm not reading, you know, if I'm not being spoken to. So it was just, it was a thing that it was just, yeah, it was like kind of crazy to see this all come out. So his name's Brian Koberger. He is 28 years old. He is a PhD candidate, I believe. That's how you say it, at Washington State University. It's important for people to know, because I don't think some people know this, that like Pullman, Washington to Moscow, Idaho is like, the only thing I can think on my part of the country is like Bill Ricca, Massachusetts to like the state of New Hampshire, where you might as well live in their backyard. So these towns like had a pretty common crossover. Brian had studied, he got an undergrad in psychology, which is following sort of his family path. Pretty much everyone in his family works in psychology of some kind. And he got a master's in criminal justice and was doing his PhD on criminology. So, wow, what a horrifying picture that is, right? (laughs) And obviously, we didn't know until the affidavit came out, which came out on, I believe, Thursday? When the affidavit came out, we, you know, we found out what they had on him. And essentially, the roommate who was downstairs, one of the two roommates, Bethany and Dylan, their names are. Dylan had come out of her room and seen, she'd heard some like stuff going on upstairs that she thought could just be like college noise, you know? And I completely understand that, and I think anyone who's judging her for this is insane because she's actually, like, the hero of this whole event so far. But she, uh, like, briefly opened her bedroom door, and I believe she's also very intoxicated, as they all were that night. And she sees a guy in, like, a black COVID mask and black clothing leaving. I believe he had a knife in his hand, and she saw him just walk out the back door. So... She goes into her room and for whatever reason, and I have a I have a plethora of suggestions, she did not call the cops until many, many hours later when her roommate Bethany woke up. I mean, at first they called over a friend to sort of like help them assess the situation. And people are now pointing the finger at the roommate for not calling the cops. So I'm gonna tell you, based off of what we read in the affidavit, the murders were so grisly. I don't think the girls would have been or or the boyfriend, sorry maddie kaylee zanna and ethan are their names i i don't think they would have been alive still i don't think you could save them mm-hmm. so i'm kind of like a little like guys be like be real like we find out that he uh, like basically they got him through phone pings and also through dylan's description which then led them on a search for all these like hyundai elantras and then, you know, which is like such a common car. It's like having like a gray Prius in like 2006, like literally half of the city had one. So they're on the, you know, lookout for this. They find out that there is a Washington State University kid who has a car similar to that. You know, Brian is a TA, so he had an office on campus. Like he was very much sort of in some ways a fixture and like also like very much. I mean, to have an office at the school as a TA is pretty pretty like i don't know that to me that's prestige and maybe it's just because boston college was built different but like for a lot of teachers a lot of professors shared their offices at bc so i guess like they were able to track him on a road trip across country with his father i want to know what you think about this on a road trip across the country with his father his father flew in from pennsylvania where he's from and drove him in like the family i guess it was his mom's car and maybe the title just got put under his name i actually don't think it's like a huge deal that he changed his license plate recently because um it could have been that he had his birthday or something and so he legally had to i believe he is a scorpio oh but yeah this guy was tracked all the way throughout the country through basically the fbi like utilizing traffic cams then they did like the the great thing that I'm obsessed with when they had like FBI agents all over his gated community, but they were dressed as like cable guys and like oh. some guy delivering doordash, and like, which is just so. it makes you fear every person you see, doesn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. That's the kind of that's like that's like movie shit when they do that kind of investigating,
3: like it feels. It feels like it feels like spy stuff. Spy stuff. If you guys want to see a Lifetime movie with similar similar energy and a fantastic performance by the actress Lydia, look. I suggest to you, Mistress Hunter. It's fantastic. She plays like a spy who hunts down the like the women and like you know or whatever it is her husband does. Like it is like does kind of kind of a pro feminist like you know like a little bit of a message like that. Oh yeah yeah, that was the first episode of mother may i sleep with i did with you oh wait that was the first one that was us that did that that was us yeah oh babe oh my god you guys you do (laughs) have to forgive me for that i'm not i i know i get sometimes called like um unfeeling or something but i literally i do like i did 38 of them i think this year I Uh totally fucking forgot that. And I apologize to you for that. I often have to Google whether or not I've done a movie before. (laughs) It was a good one. It is a good one. Yeah. It's a great movie. And Lydia look, shout out. So yeah. And shout out Billy for setting us up. But so there is a lot of information that's come out. There's not also total information because in an affidavit, they're obviously not going to give you the full list of everything they have. They're just going to give you enough to basically like get you arrested the FBI really doesn't move unless they have a very solid case and that's just and that's on that that's why they have all those people acting like pizza guys but like basically they found out that he his cell phone pings were like obvious he couldn't have been for someone who was so interested in crime couldn't have been a dumber like literally what a dumbass this guy was he had a public reddit profile called criminology underscore student where it was after he had graduated his master's program but before he was a phd candidate so there was no reason for him to be doing this research at all but they basically they like he was writing all these questions being like when was the first time you thought of murdering Like, you know, how did you decide to get away with it? Like, what was in your mind when you were murdered? Like, it's so like, I don't know. It's like some, I'm trying to think of like a perfect analogy, but it's like when like a guy or something is like hinting at you and it's obvious what he wants, but like he just, (laughs) and it's like, I know what you're, I know what you're doing here. Like, I know what this line of questioning matches up to, but he had left his, like his name on it and said, I'm a student studying this, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, that was found. That was taken down by Reddit pretty quickly. It turns out that he also like left his cell phone on his person and then just like briefly turned it off, like for the you know hour that he was doing the murders allegedly, and then you know like turned it right back on in a totally different part of town, on like in a different state while on the highway, which is mm-hmm. like just a wi- a wild choice. Like get a burner? Are you insane? And then, Do you need
1: to take your phone with you to a murder would be my question.
3: Like, why? Exactly. Like, maybe like he's just bad at, dis- like, directions or something. Mm. And he didn't know. He is 28. Maybe he doesn't know about printing out a map quest. But, <laughs> yeah, like, apparently one of the other things that they got was that Brian had, his phone was pinged at 9.30 in the morning the following day. Well, no, I guess that same day. They were murdered around, like, 4.20 in the morning. Shout out. Shout out, Weed. And then, like, he uh, came back around 9.30 in the morning. Now, it turns out that he had left the sheath of his weapon behind at the crime scene. That's a, a knife cover for anyone who doesn't know. He did a, like, he had, like, a Rambo knife. So I, I kind of wonder, do you think he was cruising by to... You're the crime gal. Do you mm-hmm. think he was cruising by to see if the police were there? Or do you think he wanted to see if potentially he could enter and get a sheath?
1: I think he was probably someone who was so pleased with himself that he wanted to see if the police were there and see some of the commotion that he'd caused. I think if he was dumb enough to leave, well, um, if he was dumb enough to do all the stuff with the phone, then I think you'd be dumb enough to leave his sheath behind and and not worry about it too much. I mean, presumably he was wearing gloves and stuff as well, so it's like,
3: well, quite quite the opposite, honey. There's De- there's blood all over the sheath. That he left the sheath in the girl's bed. It is believed at this point, we don't know for sure. That the remember, I told you about ROTC or like ROTC, which is like when you sort of like role play being in the army, but in college, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. apparently, like a knife was stolen from WSU that was from the ROTC like display, and that he might have taken that knife from that display, which could have. Oh, But, like, no, like, he did, I mean, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like Amelia Bedelia, almost, where it's like, dude, like, you literally, not only did you fuck up in every way, like, leaving DNA behind, leaving a person in the house who saw you, a witness, alive, like, like, you know, the cell phone pings, the sort of fearlessness, uh, what did you think of, this is like sort of a here nor there type thing, but what did you think about his dad flying across the country to do a road trip with his 28-year-old son to bring his car home for Christmas?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't really know. I don't know too much. I don't know how I feel about that, honestly.
3: It just feels wasteful to mm-hmm. me. I know that he could do it. I know that that makes, me, makes a drive half as long, but I just, I mean, like... W- Why would you be driving around in the murder vehicle? Like, why is your poor dad bought into this?
1: Yeah, yeah. Maybe he thought it would be, that it would be less sus in some way. I don't know, to bring another, I don't know, to act as as normal, to bring another person into the fold. I don't know, it's really weird. Did I ever tell you that like a few years ago, I was writing this thing, and my mom, who works at the police, and a, a lot of my family do, had arranged for me to do a tour of a, of the labs and the forensics. No. First of all, it was the best day of my life. It was, it was incredibly illuminating. It did, not that I considered doing any crime, but it did really put me off doing crime. And I would recommend that for most people. If you're thinking about doing crime, just go to a crime lab. Because there is so much stuff that like you don't, that you don't and would never yeah. consider. like. There, it's like it's out of control like if your job if you as the forensics team are doing your jobs correctly then the story is told like really fully. and I say maybe not just that but like if all of the conditions are right like if it hasn't rained if the thing was outside, like whatever like the ways you can get fucked are there is a myriad the things that you don't consider and wouldn't consider are insane what was wild to me is when I found out that a shoe print is the second most like valuable thing next to a fingerprint because your shoe print is your fingerprint. It's not just like make and model of the shoe. It's like you carry around yep. on your feet that everywhere you've been, the way you walk, like everything. There could be little tiny pebbles that would fuck you. Like, even stuff, like, with burglaries and, like, the type of glass, like, how microscopic glass gets into clothing can be, like, can be the nail in a coffin. They had a whole, like, glass lab that was insane. They were like, oh, yeah, we could basically, like, somebody could wipe, you know, break a glass, break a window, and we could, like, we could pull the glass out and we could tell you which window it came from. I was like, what the
3: fuck? Yeah, I, I, the foot thing is, like, really illuminating because, of course, it makes so much sense. I mean, I don't know if you're anything like me, but. I I basically, like, walk kind of, like, funny. Yeah, me too. I've I feel, my feet in woods. I think I put a little bit more weight on parts of my foot that other people might not. And so, like, there have been shoes that I've had where it's just, like, oh, like, this part of the heel is, like, really worn down. Mm-hmm. Or, like, the ball of this foot is really fucked up. And, like, that's so that is so illuminating. I mean, you're right about the pebbles. Obviously, we know the whole thing with dirt and like the tire wheels where they can just check and see like where you were based on sort of like the richness of the soil or if there's like a fucking, you know, like pine needle or something lost in it, lost in a tire. But like, yeah, I just it's like it's kind of you're that's so interesting and I want to hear more about it. My my limited my limited knowledge of forensics is from Law & Order SVU. And sometimes they'll pull out one that's so crazy where they're like, we match the DNA through like, you know, like something insane, like a piece of fecal matter or something. I'm like, dog, mm-hmm. what? Like, obviously they wanna sell these crimes, but I'm a little surprised sometimes at how far they go.
1: hmm Well, you know, like DNA is also not like the most, well, I say it's not a perfect science and that there was a really good episode of Crime Story where they talk about this guy who had been convicted of these murders and they were like, We had but his DNA is at the scene. And he I think went to prison and he was a drifter. And everyone was like, you know, this is pretty cut and dry. But what they found out later on, and this and the reason why I think that it isn't this isn't considered more often is because it would open up a floodgate to a lot of other cases that were tried and like convicted on DNA to essentially potentially be overturned. Is because this guy had been—he'd been drinking really heavily. He was an alcoholic. I think he'd had a blackout that night, and as part of his like blackout, he had gone to like a and E or the ER, and one of the paramedics who had brought him in had essentially transferred his DNA to the scene when they responded on the scene at the crime scene. And so, like, this man had never been in that building, but his DNA was present there. Which is outrageous, which is absolutely wild. And of course, like if that if that becomes overturned, then yeah, can you imagine all of the other cases that could probably like have like some sort of reasonable chance to to retry or repeal on that basis that transfer DNA can happen, like to that level. But yeah, the things that the like they gave us as like I wouldn't say a goodie bag, but we were filming a thing where we had to do like a forensic scene, and I wanted it to be really like as accurate as possible. They gave us like all of their forensic like jumpsuits and stuff. But they had these things that you put you know when you have a spray tan and you've got to put your feet on those little stickies so the but the bottoms of your feet don't get like really dark. They had like those kind of things, but they had they had like police written in them so that as soon as you at like anybody who goes anywhere near the crime scene, doesn't like tread their shoes over it so that you can see where like the police have been and you can immediately discount them because the shoe thing is like yeah it's like ridiculously accurate.
3: I am I'm so I'm so interested to know more about this girl. Well tip also as our resident crime expert, I want to ask you about this like a lot of people are comparing Brian to Ted Bundy. A lot of people are also like referencing BTK, do you have any thoughts mm-hmm. on that?
1: Yeah, it's funny because I was getting a little, I was getting shades of Bundy because of the, the, the nature of the crime. You know that when he he broke into the, the house, but also I I wanted to pull up the the thread from the BTK's daughter, Dennis Rader's daughter Carrie, who has been uh, who's been quite interesting actually on Twitter because of, well, a, a number of things. She did an interview with Brian Enten, you know, who we know and love from the Gabby Petito case. Let me just pull up this thread because I think it's kind of fascinating. People were like, why is this being mentioned in the same breath as BTK? So I will let Kerry speak on it. So she says, and there's a full, there's a, maybe we can link to it, but there's a full interview that she does with Brian Anton about this. But I think Carrie's a really good voice generally when, when things happen. Cause I think it's really rare to have, I don't know, the daughter of one of the, the country's most prolific serial killers does offer kind of a unique perspective about what it's like to live and be right next to someone who's capable of doing some of the most horrific unforgivable things. And I think she's processed a lot in in public about it and it's kind of fascinating so she says so one of brian's professors was dr katherine ramsland and that's the btk link dr katherine ramsland was one of brian crowberger's professors in criminology studies at DeSales university where he earned a master's degree last spring Ramsland has or did have a close academic relationship and friendship with my father dennis rader at the btk I have ongoing concerns knowing how common it is for criminology students, true crime fans and others to correspond regularly with my father. That Koberger could have been in contact with my father at some point, but require proof of this, which currently I do not know. My father and his many murders are studied intensively in the field of criminology. I believe strongly in the training of future law enforcement, criminology, and forensic minds, and give lectures myself to further education in these fields. My father graduated with a bachelor's in criminal justice from Wichita State University, making a mockery of this important field, using his college courses to study his ongoing murders and get access to law enforcement information in the 1970s. My thoughts have been with the victims, friends and families and law enforcement since the news broke of this horrific crime. And my thoughts are with the Coburgers' friends and family at this time. It is my hope that justice will be served fully. The ripples of one man's horrific actions will be felt for generations, affecting not only the families, but the wider Idaho community, the supporting law enforcement and criminology communities. We must continue to work together to seek answers to these crimes, stop these predators quicker and find ways to prevent these crimes from happening at all. So, yeah, I think that's, that was essentially the BTK link was that his, his professor had, I, I believe, written the book, the biography about Dennis yeah. Rader and was a regular communicator with him. But she makes a good point, which is that that there are people who will who will get close to people in the field of criminology and others to, uh, I guess like help them do their crimes better or like en- enamor them with the tools to do crimes. I don't think it's like you know I I don't think there's a a huge link and a correlation between people who are interested in and follow true crime and people who murder people. But it does feel kind of insidious to me.
3: I just wonder when it started for him. Like, I wonder when, I wonder if from the jump this was something, I mean, so what we do know about Brian as a person before this is that he, you know, in studying, well, sorry, in high school rather, he was like kind of a chubby kid and was picked on quite a bit. And then he started doing heroin. And shortly after that, one of his former classmates wrote that he was often getting in fights, like physical fights, even with his own friends. And it was a big deal that he beat his heroin addiction. I do have some feelings a little bit about how because I just know how lucky everyone who loves a drug addict feels when they clean up that like you'll Mm -hmm. do anything to defend them. And I do wonder a little bit of if his family's open support to the extent that it's been is a little bit because like brian's already over in a huge way like has already overcome a lot right but like do you think that this was something he always wanted to do or do you think that and or do you think that in studying it he became a little bit more focused and overly curious
1: oh i think six of one and half a dozen of the other i think it was probably in there and if you're immersed in it then i think it could probably help tip you over and in, into into actually taking some action it's an it's an interesting question though because i mean people always talk about like the dark triad when it comes to let's say serial killers which is like you know like
3: yeah machiavellian you, yeah narcissist and anti what is it
1: anti-social personality i think it is yeah
3: yeah is that are those the right three i mean it's I mean, you have to be pretty narcissistic to think that you can get away with a quadruple homicide.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a lot too for a first crime. Like everything we know about, like everything that we think we know about people who do crimes like this is that, you know, the first one is always very messy. It doesn't really matter how methodically it's planned because the reality of doing the thing may be quite different from the fantasy of the thing. And like, all we have to look back on is like, the historical data of the nature of these crimes. But like, usually the first one is like, is kind of a mess and it's, I mean, not that this wasn't a huge mess and a huge tragedy, but it, it's a lot to take on for a first kill. I would have assumed that this would be like, Bundy didn't do his crime that was like this until when he was kind of a little further on in his career. And he was like
3: mm-hmm. trying
1: to, trying to match the dopamine of the first kill. Cause these things like escalate, because the satisfaction that you get from the first, you know, you're just always chasing that high of the first time. So it's kind of a little, it's a little wild.
3: Yeah, I am a little bit, I'll be real with you. I'm a little bit about confused about the comparisons to Bundy because Bundy was known for being like, he had riz, as the kids call it, charisma. Mm. He was very, like, he was a ladies man, you know, like. It was too like, you know, you would fault like by the time you were with him, it was too late, you know, but people wanted to be around Ted Bundy. He was a good looking guy. All reports of Brian are that he was incredibly socially awkward, even like almost got permanently kicked out of one of his favorite like watering holes because he would ask the waitresses really personal sort of abrasive questions. And at one point called a waitress a bitch for not answering him. He was known for being in, like, you know, he didn't have the riz, so to speak. So mm-hmm. I'm a little confused about that comparison. There is, I mean, I understand that they killed women, but I feel yeah. like a lot of people do that.
1: Yeah. I think it is more the like the sorority house murder of it all. Because when he, like, he broke into a sorority house in the early hours of the morning and went on a kind of frenzied killing attack and killed. I don't even know how many women and I think maybe may have left one for dead. So I think it's just like, it feels like that's the, I think that's where the similarity begins and ends. You're like, you know, yeah, severely beat four women, killing two before attacking another. Yeah. So they were all asleep. They were sorority girls that were all asleep in their house. So I think it's just that, that's where the. that mostly. Yeah, I
3: mean, yeah, Brian just, you know, not to call someone like Ted Bundy sophisticated, but I mean, Brian just doesn't have the wherewithal to even pull this off. I a lot of people are wondering whether or not this was his first kill. I think it was. I think that this was definitely his first crime. Some people are trying to point to like, you know, on TikTok and Reddit, et cetera. Oh, like this random woman is missing in Pennsylvania. She went missing when he was living there and in college. And I just don't think that was it is in in my current opinion that I don't think that that's what his deal this was like I don't know I mean he planned it for a little too long to have just snapped but I think that he it's been shared like through various like secondhand stories that like Brian had severe OCD and I think for some people with OCD they're one of their things is like they focus on the thing they are maybe most afraid of slightly irrationally and that's I mean that's how I've heard it described by people who have it and so in a way I almost wonder if he like in a pattern of almost fear like kind of accidentally talked himself into doing it I don't know I don't know shout out to my OCD peeps Tiff do we have any other final thoughts on this because I kind of think we should skate past Andrew Tate I don't want to even give him the airtime. I'll include all the links in the description for for everything from Andrew the Andrew Tate story, but and I want to hear from you about Logan Paul versus CryptoZoo. But mm-hmm. do you have any final thoughts on the Moscow situation before we move on?
1: No, just that I will be monitoring it very meticulously. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, uh, yeah, it's it's horrific. Like it, it really truly is horrific. I think, like. The other thing that of crimes of this nature that happened in the digital age, when I saw a TikTok pop up of the victims, that was just the victims prior to obviously this happening and was them just like doing a silly little dance together, it kind of broke my heart. And you forget like that everything we do is like leaving a trail online. And so it's particularly jarring when you know the horrific things that happen to them to see them just like so joyful and silly and fun. And it, yeah. I hope they get justice.
3: Amen, sister. And I think they will. I really do think that this was the first murder in the area, I believe. in. I don't know. My math is going to be bad, guys. But I think it was like seven or 13 years. And this is like a very grisly murder. And I just want to give a shout out, especially as someone who followed the Delphi case, where these cops, you know, shout out to the cops. No, but they knew right away that this was bigger than them and called in the right teams immediately. and. And yes, Brian is a big dum-dum. And so that's partially how this all happened. But yeah, like, you know, this was a, this was as far as investigations go, it felt like it was never, it felt like it was going to go cold or something. And they, just based off of like the fire around it and then the lack of details. But they, they really did this bitch. And so I guess for the first time in my life, I'm going to say shout out to the cops.
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Shout out. Okay, wait, tell me about Logan Paul versus CryptoZoo.
1: <gasps> I'm delighted because I feel like my prediction is coming true. Do you... How, how much do you know about this?
3: I know that Logan either launched a crypto platform or... And I also think I know that he was a big pump and dump guy. hmm And I think that... Those are like, I mean, I also know that he was big into the NFT space for a while and even got in a little bit of trouble with the uh, Pokemon opening because I guess one of the boxes that he was sold when he did the opening was fake and that really never got pressed. But I think he was like part of his whole thing with the Pokemon opening was to sell each like card opening as its own NFT.
0: Uh-huh,
1: yes. Yeah, I mean, he's really, over the past year, transitioned into being a crypto bro. And there were like three projects that caught my eye. I mean, he was very involved in sort of tweeting about NFTs and he was talking about this one in particular that was made by female artists and he was sort of heavily backing that on his Twitter. And then he sort of launched his own token that was called Dink Donk or DOink Dink. Um that was an obvious kind of pump and dump, but for the most part that kind of passed under the radar. And then rather than just endorsing projects, which were clearly going to be financially beneficial to him because he has a huge audience. And so when he announces that he's invested in something, other people are going to invest in it, which is, you know, murky and, uh, quite dodgy when it comes to the ethics of it all. But Elon was doing it with Doge and his own Tesla stock. So it's like the way that they do it. He announced that he was going to be doing a project called CryptoZoo. And the idea of Crypto CryptoZoo was that you would get a egg, this NFT and, and behind it would be a game. It'd be a game that was hosted on the blockchain. So okay. the, the game was that you get an egg, it hatches, you get this kind of animal. And then later on in the game, you can breed your animals with other animals to create hybrids. So, you know, that kind of. There was like a meme a few years ago. They it, it, like similar to like giving birds like big human arms. You know, you would kind of cross two animals in Photoshop and have like a panda with like a shark body or whatever. The idea of CryptoZoo is that you could create these hybrids, and like the rarer that they were, the more valuable that they were. And there was some kind of game being developed, and and that was it. So the project CryptoZoo did launch. A lot of people got their eggs, and then you know Logan was kind of promoting it ahead of ahead of launch and then the trail went cold and a lot of people were left wondering where the game was, where their money was going, what was happening with it. And he went pretty ghost on it. He didn't really speak about it in public at all or very much. And the people that invested were feeling kind of pretty restless. So in comes CoffeeZilla, who's a YouTuber who investigates mostly fraud and scams a lot of the time around crypto. And he spent a year investigating CryptoZoo and put out a three-part series on his YouTube just before Christmas that went kind of viral. And in it, he basically interviews a lot of the people who invested early into CryptoZoo who didn't get anything out of it. The game was never built. They found out that the lead developer, who Logan had said had gone to, had taken all of the code from the game and like fled to Switzerland, had never been paid because, well, yeah, basically he'd fled and had gone off the project because he'd never been paid. He and his developers, like the time that gone into it, had never been paid. Lots of other weird kind of dodgy stuff was happening behind the scenes. There was this other guy called the Crypto King who came out and was exposing Logan, but was also a huge part of the kind of scam and pump and dump of it all. And there was some other dodgy stuff. Oh, a bunch of people that were working on the project were scammers, like out and out scammers. There was a this guy who said that he had helped a team win the Super Bowl using tech, that never happened. He said that he had been like scouted for the to work for like the NSA. I think that had never happened. He was just this kind of chancer, but he was also one of the lead, I don't know if he was a lead developer, but he was, he was very heavily involved. Logan came out of it looking terrible. So throughout the kind of investigation, Coffee Ziller had reached out to Logan and his manager, Jeff, like time and time again, asking for comments. Eventually, and as shown in the in one of the parts, Coffeezilla gets on the phone to Jeff, is recording him, and Jeff is very evasive and very dodgy. And essentially, in a not so smart and not so coded way, is essentially offering, uh, saying that he's going to sue Coffeezilla for slander. And Coffeezilla's like, "Yeah, but I'm giving you a right to reply. Do you want to clear this up?" And and Jeff's like, "No, but if you talk about this, we'll sue you." And it's like, "Okay, but I'm giving you a right to reply. If you talk about, you know." if you want to clear up any of the allegations. Anyway, so the investigation gets launched on YouTube. Logan puts out a few tweets where he's talking about how, you know, he was never reached out to and it's all completely untrue. Then Logan puts up a video on the 3rd of January, which was a a really decent amount of time between the last video from this investigation had gone up to Logan's response, like his proper response. And in the video, he deflects entirely deflects essentially talks about how he had surrounded himself with you know maybe not some not so great people that he himself had lost a lot of money and at no point does he acknowledge that you know there are people who'd poured their life savings into buying these nfts but anyway he basically talks about how he yeah like like he's a victim is how he frames it he then kind of again makes a, a threat to sue coffeezilla not least for posting a conversation between Logan and Jeff and and saying that that was kind of against the law because he'd illegal, illegally recorded him but Texas is like a one party consent state and I think Coffeezilla was in Texas I, I don't know it was a whole thing so now Logan has deleted his video <laughs> after posting it uh, and getting a huge backlash it was only up for like three days His response was only up for three days. It was like downvoted into oblivion.
3: Classic Dobrik move.
1: Classic. And he's just gone quiet on it. Now he's like, you know, reposting about prime. There is a episode of the impulsive podcast, which I've just not listened to. In which he, I guess goes through the allegations again, but that's where we stand. I think like somebody pointed out that Logan doing anything legal in this at this time would be a very poor move on his half because the discovery phase would essentially unearth and kick up all of the silt of of the dodgy shit that he's been doing and uh yeah he kind of fucked people out of uh, a few million there's this exchange play that the kind of-
3: video that he did
1: yeah let's play a little bit of it it's quite Why long but let's let's play a little bit
3: let's just listen to this video in silence for the next 7 minutes <laughs> um, okay what uh what part do you want to play I would say just
1: play the beginning. Yeah. Let's play like a minute at the beginning.
2: Okay. CoffeeZilla, I watched your three-part series called Investigating Logan Paul's Biggest Scam, and like many on this platform, you have successfully used my name for views and money. While your work used to be impartial, your addiction to clicks has clouded your judgment and you've made very real errors with very real repercussions. Coffee, you took a shot at my reputation, Uh, so in this video today, I'm gonna be defending myself with facts, something that you have gotten in the habit of twisting as you continue to morph from an investigator to a gossip channel. You see, CoffeeZilla tried to work with law enforcement in the past, but his work was described as not anchored to truth and often speculative. He is a lopsided journalist with an agenda, and he's nothing more than the keemstar of crypto and finance. But as opposed to just telling you, I'm going to show you some of the core discrepancies that I caught in Coffeezilla's investigation. Coffee, you interviewed the developer who stole the game code, fled to Switzerland, and held it hostage for a million dollars. Well, his name is Zach Kelling. Surely, as the internet detective that you proclaim to be, you would know that he spent time in prison for. For multiple felonies, one for aggravated robbery, armed robbery at a liquor store, and the other for surprise, obstructing the legal process. I can see why you kept him anonymous. Who will be calling Z here? I guess, among many things, it doesn't surprise me that he lied about having 30 engineers and a $50,000 a week burn rate. On my end, I've 30 engineers. I'm burning $50,000 a week. Which side note is how this delusionist landed on the million dollar code ransom, but it turns out he only had three engineers wouldn't someone with journalistic integrity know their credible source had not only an agenda but a fondness for orange jumpsuits or did you just hear what you wanted to hear and moved on because even if you're lying to yourself stephen you still have to believe
3: i mean this is really okay what do you think in terms of a paul brother apology where does this land for you there's
1: no tears and that generally tends to be my favorite i do like the the false sincerity that tears bring
3: you know (sighs)
1: It's makes continuous
3: lapse in judgment,
1: yeah. it's it's no it's no continuous lapse in judgment. That's for sure.
3: It's interesting because
1: in acknowledging some of these things, like the way that Logan frames himself is again as a victim. And I think that is careful, probably careful legally, but it's also like an incredibly dumb move because the thing that people are uh, upset about is that, he willingly scammed people and 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 totally knew that that's what was happening and instead what he does is he paints himself to be yeah like he paints himself to be the victim that he made poor choices in in hiring the wrong people and whilst i agree that there there is a lot of truth in in the fact that he says that the crypto space is filled with like with you know bad actors and people who might be not that truthful which i totally agree with yeah it's like, it's a rife where it. it attracts that kind of behavior. I think he's just not realizing that he is one of them.
3: <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> and he like, looks like he too. looks like
1: one of them, you know?
3: I, I, You know, I think the thing is, is like with Logan, he's such an interesting character because I kind of think that, I don't know, it's Big Mike, dude. With Big Mike around, like, I really don't know, like, I don't know what's coming from Logan all the time. And this feels a little bit something like he was sort of like, you remember Big Mike came in after the suicide forest to help clean things up around there, which Mm -hmm. predatory. But I, you know, I, I listen to something like this and it's like, it's so it's manipulative, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, makes sense for a Paul brother. But, but he's also not dumb. So I know he doesn't believe his bullshit inherently.
1: Mm -hmm. He has a pretty consistent record of fumbling the bag. And that's one of the most frustrating things to me about Logan is that like, he is a bit sort of like half a job ish. I think he's the sort of person who would do like half of the dishes and then quote, leave the rest to soak because, and then he's like, but I did the dishes. Like everything he does, he, he tends to pull a punch or fumble a bag. Like he had a opportunity to rehab himself and he was pretty well on the pathway to doing that. and he got greedy and i think about like what he did with boxing and he has all the opportunity in the world to to carve something out for himself and then and then has like never won a fight i don't think he's a particularly hard worker funnily enough i think that like he can be a little bit of a grifter and i think about something like the maverick club which was like he stopped uploading regularly on YouTube and was like, come over to this like silo of the internet where, you know, you'll get all of this stuff. And when I when I joined and had a look around, the community was already dead. The posting was like beyond like sporadic. And, you know, they had a section on the website that was like, you know, every month we're going to do giveaways and Zoom calls and whatever. And it hadn't been updated for months. Like, I think he just begins things and then, and then abandons them for the next thing, which is weirdly how I like to do things. So, I, you know, it's a read for him, but also <laughs> I kind of understand it. But it does frustrate me that someone like him who has a huge audience and all the opportunity in the world, like could fucking piss that up the wall for a, like a short term financial gain. It just seems really dumb.
3: It, it makes me fear like oh, you're right about the dishes have like half done thing, because that's exactly how we treated boxing, even though he's given Jake plenty of shit about how unserious his career was. Right. But I just, you know, at the same time, like I wonder if if Logan Paul is worried about his career longevity and what's that. And that's what like a bad business move like that feels like to me, which. I feel is like kind of crazy because if Logan Paul survived some of the storms he survived and remained popular and built more of a fan base, that shouldn't really be something he's so concerned with. Mm, Yeah, but I think a huge part of his like redemption arc
1: plan—can you have two redemption arcs? Like, I think a lot of the fan base that he built post Suicide Forest was. Like kind of hard won ground, like really grafted for ground. I think it was like the thing that he cared about the most was trying to rehabilitate his image.
3: Yeah, and I the- mean, maybe as a brain tumor, maybe as CTE. I mean, maybe maybe some sort of judgment issue. Because I don't. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he is just a greedy motherfucker, and I make excuses for everyone. But, uh, yeah, you're right. It feels short sighted. I think that also when he started this too the NFT space in crypto was in a different place. Mm. And at the time, even though you can always say like, not financial advice, like you don't have to do this. Like at a certain point when the market, if the market hadn't bottomed out and if this whole like fucking NFT thing hadn't bottomed, like he probably would have gotten away with this for a lot longer. So it was kind of just like divinely. It was divinely inspired, basically, where it's like all of a sudden this like this thing that had just been growing and growing after already reaching its sort of like expected peak winds up completely crashing. And now, you know, daddy's got to fucking, you know, bring out the whip, you know, like and say like, hey, babe, like no more stealing from Uh children.
1: And And the perfect victims, really, in a lot of ways, because I think there's like as this was going down on Twitter, I was seeing a lot of people being like, well, that's what you get for fucking around with NFTs. Like you bought a JPEG of an egg. And there's a lot of, uh, yeah, there's a lot of resentment, I think, around people who've made money in the crypto space. And, you know, some of that is for good reason. Is because it is like notorious for, for a pump and dump and, and like bad actors. But I think In order for someone to gain financially in this space people have to lose like that is just the nature of the beast and people don't care about others losing their money when it's not like you know it's not grandmas getting phone calls from call centers getting them to give their life savings away it's like young men who follow logan paul who would buy a jpeg of an egg and so it makes them very unsympathetic victims and i think honestly that's why had Coffeezilla not done this investigation, he probably would have like, there would have been people who were already in online spaces talking about how unhappy they were with Logan, but it wouldn't have reached like the other audiences like beyond the crypto space, because I think people don't care about people losing money in crypto.
3: No, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, like, unless you're an idiot, I was, I mean, I, did I tell you I went to, was I, did I gone to the crypto party? last time we spoke oh yeah you were going with your brother zemo yeah so like i went to the crypto party and i'll tell you it's a real fucking freak factory and i mean that in a good way and a bad way (laughs) like there was some real high-end art that was being sold as nfts it also was a little bit of of a room where if you didn't hit a certain sweet spot in culture you may think it's a cult and Mm -hmm. like and and I mean that in a, I mean that in a way that like sometimes I think the coolest new things can feel like, like, you know, there's just like, it's a, it's a cross, interesting cross section of people who give a shit about it. And yeah. yeah, you know, listen, I am hopeful for the future of NFTs simply because like I have friends who threw a lot of money into them. And also because like, I do think, you know, I, environmental elements aside, I do think that it's, Im- I think it's important to be investing for young for younger people, especially, to have an opportunity to invest in something that is future forward versus like relying on the market. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's a little bit of a freak factory in some ways. And then, like there's two factions of it. There's people who are literally artists and are creating great art and believe in the blockchain. And then there's people who just see this sitting there, like a sack of gold sitting on the side of the road. and like, nothing's free in life baby
1: yeah not enough people i think really truly understand it and i put myself in that camp too like i i i have a i have a broad brush strokes understanding of crypto and the blockchain but like i would say that most people well a little bit of knowledge can be a bad thing i think most people aren't you know deep deep within the tech of it all and so it does create this like mystique around it that I think is is like rife for exploitation by by people who are not very nice.
3: No, I mean like, well, it's like the Andrew Tates of the world, right? I mean, not to say we just said we weren't going to talk about it much, but like, it's these, yeah, it's it can, it's very something. It also ties into bro culture. Mm. It type it like ties into like the man culture where it's like you know, here's how I made $50,000 in one week, my first week after quitting at Subway. (laughs) Yeah. It was so funny because I did watch an Andrew Tate clip yesterday um, on like YouTube shorts. And he was talking about how he made a lot of money in business because he would always do this. He would take a client's money up front for an advertising campaign. And then right before the campaign was supposed to air, he would email the client and say, hey, I'm going to send you back your money." I think that in two weeks, is a be- it's a better time for you to launch your project. And then so once he did that, the client trusted him so much that they would spend so much more money. And one of the commenters in earnest said that they work at Subway and they like to do this with coupons because then the customer really feels shocked when they see that they got their $5 foot long for, like, $4 instead. Mm. And I was just looking at it, and I was like, no, 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 no. See, this doesn't apply to you, sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have millions of dollars to piss on, like, just, you know, pictures of monkeys. Like, you don't have that. <laughs> and, in, like, and yeah. Andrew Tate manipulating people he was selling ads for is certainly no... It's certainly no, well, whatever it is you're describing using coupons at Subway where you work for someone else. Like that's not what you're describing. So yeah, it's just, it's just interesting because I feel like, yeah, that's what is so predatory about it, is that you're seeing these rich guys. It also, you know what it reminds me of a little bit? Remember that scam where you would put money into a website. I think you put like in, you know, you put in your card and you put like a thousand dollars in your bank account on the on the website. And then you could pick a different mystery box and like some were like Supreme, some were Louis Vuitton, some were like just basically electronics. That's how it would be labeled. And you would pay like one hundred and fifty dollars to open up this mystery box. And sometimes I guess allegedly I never saw it happen, but allegedly sometimes someone would get maybe like a Supreme duffel bag. That'd be worth a decent amount of money, but nine times out of ten, they got a keychain that was worth fifty percent of their money.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And you know, I saw some creators do these ads a little bit more honestly than others, but for the most part, the tone was like, "Hey guys, like, you know, I only put like a thousand dollars into this, and I got like, you know, twenty eight hundred dollars worth of stuff, or whatever. Like, I got, I got fifty thousand dollars worth of stuff because like they would always tease items that were worth that." And for a person who doesn't know how money works, that is a exciting prospect, right? But like, it's obviously it's gambling, which, yeah, I don't know. It just reminds yeah. me of that of that thing where it's just like, it's a way more obvious, like hit you over the head example. I think part of the problem with NFTs is that like, no one can understand it. Whereas like what that, that mystery box thing was basically a virtual slot machine, but It just reminds me of like how, and I guess maybe because I don't fall for it or think of it often, how easily people will just pump money into something because some cool person on the internet said, hey, this is worth a lot of money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you know they've got a huge following and if part of the value created in an object that doesn't exist is hype, and so you're relying on that person to bring the hype and ultimately help you get a return on your investment.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, well, that's the thing. It's like buy the hype, sell the news, honey. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm just, you know, Logan, you're crazy boy. Logan, you're, you're <laughs> real. Logan, you do your own thing and you do it every time. I and mean, so. He really does. Yeah. Shout out <gasps> to the cops. And shout out to Logan Paul being crazy. What's the gasp? Are you okay?
1: I was just thinking about something. This is so unrelated, but I have to tell you really quickly. I watched this thing called Into the Deep Bend about Teal Swan, and it is phenomenal. And if you've not seen it, you need to see it.
3: Dude, everyone's loving that. And they were like, when it first came out, but then I would say also, No, I love that you watched it. Maybe we could do a bonus or something on it if you want. Like, not everything has to be work. But did you see the, um, I didn't watch the full January 6th 6th series on Netflix, I believe you said it was, but I watched the, uh, what's it, All Gas No Breaks documentary (gasps) that they did with
1: Andrew Callahan.
3: Yes, with Andrew Callahan about like the, basically the events leading up to January 6th. It's on Netflix now. Put, hook up that VPN in Minecraft, if you know what I mean but it's very, it's very, it's very good. And like the twist at the end Mm -hmm. is like, when you think about it, it it is no shocker. Like it's literally Mm -hmm. almost pitch perfect how like Mm -hmm. much of a not shocker it is. But I think that it just is like, it's really well done. If you're someone who's not particularly, you know, tuned in, you know? Yeah. But
1: yeah. Oh, and one more thing. The Taco Bell in my village. It opened up.
3: Oh, congratulations! Finally.
1: Finally, yeah.
3: Wait, that took way too long.
1: I know. I went past it when I was getting my nails done, and I was like, "What?" So I got my nails done, and then I brought champagne, to, like, and me and all the girls and the clients. I brought little like gold plus like you know paper cups, and we all had champagne. And I got my nails done, and then I got my Uber to drop me up outside Taco Bell. And then I got Taco Bell and then I went home and ate it with my new nails. And it was the best day.
3: Well, I'm really happy for which one. What did you get?
1: Oh, they, what, a Taco Bell or on my nails?
3: Well, I guess both.
1: <laughs> the nails are kind of boring, but I did get them witchy. I have a little like eye on them with like gold stuff. And at Taco Bell, I got Crunchy Taco Supreme, obviously. I got a cheesy Gordita Crunch, a Chalupa, and these look... Uh, what else did i get i got a crunch wrap but i had it the day after it was not good the day after but it was fine
3: i like that you you know sometimes no you know what i do respect it because most fast food you touch it the day after like someone eats half a Mac- mcdonald's hamburger from the day prior i'm horrified <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I tell you what a crunch wrap the day after in an air fryer though is a good time
3: yes it is a good time i okay so you're okay proud of you for your nails proud of you for your thing you put it in an air fryer yeah I, I, wouldn't be even, I wouldn't have even thought of it. That's brilliant.
1: It's the only way to revitalize it, I think. I think uh, the only thing that doesn't do so well is salad, but that's fine. You can live with that. But it, but it does. It makes the outside really crispy. It's better than microwaving it. You can't eat it cold. Well, you could, but I just feel like it would feel too much like giving up, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, you guys, this was Trend Lightly for this week. Shout out Taco Bell thank you so much for listening we appreciate you so much thanks for the support on the last Gaylor episode we promise we'll be back next week you know if the news isn't crazy we'll make it crazy and we'll be sure to talk to you soon tiff do you have any final words no just i miss this it's good to be back it's so good to be back and you guys happy january once again happy january 6th okay we'll talk to you soon bye bye
4: I don't know what you want. Never seen a shawty that look like a Delta G Every girl in here ten, but it ain't no Tennessee And you might just get some money, but it ain't no guarantee Delta G's on the left, Delta G's on the right And you know I stay in Texas, I don't really like to fight Like we in 2013, shawty do it for the vine. Shawty moving real well, I might have to wind it down Threw the money to the ceiling, now watch it hit the floor Now rag it up, rap, huh, rap, rack it up, king, bag it up huh, Back, back, bag it up, king, stack it up Stack, stack, stack it up, she said, where you at? Sam Marcus down in Texas, and if I drop a Best believe that she on the Thought way Thought was important But I am her right about the I'm way Delta, I went to Delta tonight Told her baby I got G tonight Get the scholarship I ain't smoking on no TAC Low tolerance All these ladies telling me I'm finna blow Like the her Shout back. out TurboTax Tax refund What's another? Back. Like the quarterback at recess No rushing You gon' end up like a Call of Duty mission No rush. This ain't UT Why shirt orange like a pumpkin Mama called me Asked me how college is And I said bust
0: Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories and other hot-button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement, as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye.